0: Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship, we say. But are we nurturing that relationship? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. We know that a relationship is a living thing. Like a plant, it needs our attention on an ongoing basis, and there is no substitute for that care. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the name means olive press, Jesus was feeling the pressure of his lonely mission. He wanted to feel connected to his companions, but they were asleep to his needs. Here's Jim.
1: Watch. I don't know what that word means to you, but it certainly suggests that Jesus wanted his disciples on full alert. That there were issues, experiences, temptations coming like a storm and they were not in a prepared state of mind, and so their failure was predictable. The call to watchfulness. You'll find this word many times in the epistles where the apostle tried to warn the Christians that you're living in difficult times, that your friends and neighbors are not always your brothers and sisters, they are under the sway of other powers, that there is a demonic force in array against you, that the world and that the flesh from within are your deadly enemies, that you live in difficult and challenging circumstances. And therefore, watch, watch, watch. Be on the alert. Your soul, your reputation, your character, your eternal life is a state. The second thing we note as we move in closer is this is more than just a call for watchfulness. It's an invitation to intimacy. And perhaps this more than any other point this morning is the one that moves me to share with you There is a, there's an aspect, there, there's something going on here that is incredibly, almost unbelievably important. And Jesus is not just saying to the disciples, be on alert, be on guard, you're about to be overtaken with temptation. He is saying to them, I want, I want you to become an intimate partner, in my experience. All the way back in the book of Genesis, we are told that immediately after man and woman sinned, they heard the voice of the Lord God calling to them in the midst of the garden. God seeking, God longing, God coming to have fellowship with this creature that he had created in his image after his likeness, that the great God Almighty not only created man and woman for his pleasure, but created them to share intimately with him, to become like him, to know him. The last words we have from the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of the Revelation speaks about how absolutely bad conditions were in the church at Laodicea. And what's the invitation of that church? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in unto him and sup with him. We will have a meal. God wants my intimate attention. The whole cup that Jesus was about to drink, the death that he would die was the measure of God's love to which he would go in order to bring us into a relationship with him where we would enjoy intimate moments with our Creator. In our mechanistic age, so many times, we talk about being saved. Are you saved? Are you born again? And the answer will be, oh, yeah, I did that when I was a kid. Or, oh, yeah, I prayed that prayer. Oh, yeah, I went to the Father of the Church. Yeah, well, Billy Graham was here. I went forward. And frankly, that's all you think about. That's all we have to offer. That we somehow have assurance through the grace of God that we're at the end of life going to make it to heaven. Now friend, that's true. But God intended so much more. God yearns, God desires so much more. He doesn't want to just forgive us our sins and give us eternal life. He wants for us to know him. He wants to be known. What could you not watch with me? Could you not stand as companion with me? Could you not empathize with me with what I'm experiencing? Could you not stay awake? At least. When John is describing the gift of eternal life in John chapter 17, verse 3, he takes from the lips of the praying Jesus this phrase. This is eternal life, that they may know you. Know you. Know you. The only true God. To have intimate communication with God. God. Communication that's not based upon my needs, my desires, my to do list that I have for God, or my get well list that I bring to God, but intimacy that's based upon my coming to God and saying, What's on your heart today, Father? What are you feeling in your soul today, Lord Jesus? What's your agenda for your work today, Holy Spirit? Now, those of us who are husbands will understand this because our wives often present this same dilemma to us. My wife will say, Talk to me. And after almost 40 years, I'm beginning to understand that means, now, correct me if I'm wrong, dear. I think that means, Jim, I want to talk to you. I want you to talk to me. I want to feel intimate with you. Now what do I do about that as American male? Well, first of all, I try to fix it, don't I? That's not what she wants. She doesn't want me to fix anything. Or I will try to divide my attention between the book in my lap and the TV and her conversation, and she usually loses out somewhere in there. Or I will sit and debate with her to show her that what she's saying really doesn't match the facts, and therefore she doesn't have any right to feel that way. You've been there, Valerie? Is that true? Is that the way it works? That's the way it works in our house. And almost 40 years now, I've been learning that what she wants from me is my undivided empathy, concern, and support. That's what she wants. That's what God wants. He doesn't want our help, and he doesn't need us to solve anything, and he doesn't want us to advise him, and he doesn't want us to debate with him. What Jesus is saying here in the garden is, couldn't you give me one hour of alert, focused support? Just be here with me. It's incredible that this moment would pass and the disciples would miss what could have been the high water mark of their whole three and a half years of experience with Jesus to have been able to enter with him intimately into what he was going through and to gain some perspective of the value of that, it would have profoundly marked them for the rest of their lives. It would have caused them to know how great the price paid for their salvation. Third thing that comes to mind as you look at this passage are the obvious hindrances to fellowship, hindrances. There was the physical hindrances, you know, the late hour. They had had a full meal just a moment before that. There was the hindrances of confusion and debate. They were back and forth on each other's case. Who would be greatest and who would fail and who would, who would not fail? And Peter's boasting about, though everybody else fails you, I won't. You can count on me, Jesus. I'm with you till the, till the last dog dies. And of course, that uh, didn't happen, did it? Jesus warned them in his appeal here. He, he, he warned them that... The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That we need support. We need help. We we need to have God minister to us if we're going to achieve those high things of the spirit that we desire. In just a moment, you're going to leave the church saying, this week I'm going to spend one hour with God in watching. And next week, most of us will come back and say, oh, no, I promised I would spend, man, I meant to do that, and it just didn't get done. Why? Because the flesh is weak. Because a 100,000 other things will hinder and interrupt and confuse and direct and misdirect your attention and your energies. That's the way it is here in our world. There are multiplied hindrances, and distractions, to keep us from one hour of watchfulness with God. Let me talk to you in closing about the power of that hour. Now, what Jesus was talking about here and what I'm talking about is not your normal prayer. Jesus wasn't asking them to come alongside of him and pray for him. He was not asking them to pray for anyone else. He was asking them to come and to pray with him. To take their personal agendas, lay them aside. To take their personal list of to-dos, lay that aside. To put everything out of the way, And to just say, God, what's on your agenda? Help me in this hour to feel in my heart what you feel in your heart. Help me at the end of this hour to see the world like you see it. Help me to leave this hour of focused attention upon you, waiting before you, thinking about you, seeking your will, seeking your agenda, seeking your priorities, seeking your spirit, So that when the hour is over, I will be aligned with where you're going today, Father. And as I face the challenges and the temptations and the struggles and the demands, at the end of this hour, I will face them empowered by your spirit, sensing and knowing and being guided by your spirit to do the right thing and to have the courage to express your will, your mind, your life, in the circumstances around me. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that when Peter went out and whipped betterly, I'm sure he thought back and he thought, you know, my whole denying of Jesus Christ was unnecessary. That stupid thing I did when I whipped out the sword and hacked off the ear, that was utterly unnecessary. Jesus had to remind me that he had legions of angels at his call. Seventy-two thousand angels that he could have asked, and they would have instantly cleaned the house, cleaned the garden of all Jesus' enemies. Jesus didn't need my sword See, Peter would then have seen the whole unfolding drama of Jesus' betrayal and trial differently. And so will you. So will I. The greatest need in the stewardship of time it's to recognize that all 168 hours between now and this time next week is a gift from God. You don't earn it. You don't control it. You may not even be here 168 hours from this moment. Stewardship is not filling those hours with the thing that matter most to me. Stewardship is not doing in those hours the thing that seemed wise to me. Stewardship is beginning by taking the first hour and giving it to God, focusing upon him, seeking his will, his mind, his glory, trying to bring your heart into a listening, quiet mode, waiting before the Lord for him to distill upon your heart through his word, by your spirit, his plan, his power, his agenda, that hour will transform your life. Now, let me ask you, out of 168, do you suppose you could spare seven hours, one a day? Think about it. Some will have to give, some TV time maybe. Can you find in the next seven days, one hour a day where you intentionally schedule time with God, not to tell him your troubles, he already knows them not to give him your plans, he already knows what that is too, but to humbly watch with full alertness come to God, open his word, praise him, and then quietly ask him to fill your heart with his agenda so that you become impotent pathetic you become partner with god you share an intimacy with god based upon what he wants and not what i need can you do that heavenly father The same love that expressed itself through the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ, love for His disciples and their concern, led Him to call them to watchfulness. He he saw the many hindrances and the distractions, and He knew the weakness of their flesh. And He knew those high, noble desires of the Spirit. He knew that temptation would soon be overtaking them and he knew that they needed resources that could only come from God's heart. And so he called them, he invited them into an intimacy, a sharing with him of his experience that would orient them to what would matter most in the next hours, when their whole world would come unglued their dreams would be dashed, their confidence turned to confusion, when they would be scattered, when they would be filled with fear, overtaken by discouragement. Same thing with me today, Father, and each of us here who name your name. Remind us that the essence of the call to salvation is an invitation to be intimate with God, to know his heart, to feel his emotion, to know his mind, to be empowered by his spirit. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you if you are ready to make a decision This week, as God helps me, I will watch one hour each day. God, I want to know your mind. I want to know your feelings. I want to be filled with your spirit. I will seek your face. I will watch with you one hour." Will you do that? Tell him, tell him. Nothing in this next week will be more resisted and fought by the devil than that decision. Nothing will be more difficult than that decision. Because the devil knows that in that hour, your life will be transformed. He knows that. Maybe someone would say, can't do an hour. Would you do 15 minutes each day? Will you go to God and seek his face, his mind, his heart? Father, you've heard our commitment. May we be willing to tithe our time to give to you for your pleasure one hour a day, not to serve others, not to do nice things or good things, but to watch with you, to get on your page, to listen to your heart. Fill us by your spirit with a passion. Give us the resolve to do so, and through that, transform our hearts and lives, and make us like Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen.
0: There's a promise, I think, hidden in that question, could you not watch with me one hour? If we follow Jim's suggestion and carve out an hour daily to focus on the Lord's presence and will, we will not be alone. Watch with me, he says. Today, we finished the sermon we began on Friday called The Value of an Hour. If you'd like to have the entire message on CD, we'll send it to you for a gift of $7 or more. The series will consist of 13 talks, and we'd be happy to get all those CDs to you for an offering of $45 or more. It's called Special Works Jesus Did. It's summer here in the Northern Hemisphere, and everyone is bursting out of their routines, sometimes including the routine of giving. If you appreciate the ministry of Right Start and have often thought about helping out, we could use that help now. Thanks for your prayers, too. You can make a secure donation on the website, rightstartradio.org. On the site, you can take advantage of a ton of ministry materials we've put there for you. Complete sermons, radio shows, and instructions for how to connect to the Right Start podcast, delivered fresh daily on iTunes. Again, the web address is rightstartradio.org. Rightstartradio.org. You can request CDs or donate by mailing us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or by calling 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Tomorrow, what the Lord of heaven gave up to save those on earth and what we gained. We hope you can join us on Tuesday for the next edition of Right Start.